Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, 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 everyone. Sorry, <laughs> I know the window opened up. The right, and then the right window opens up, so I didn't know if we were right. Hey. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm here. Um, yeah, welcome to the show. <laughs> on uh, on playoff on playoff eve, yeah. I, I just had I just had to say that uh, driving up and down the QEW, which I've talked about many a time, and I've done it more than I've ever had in my life. Ever yeah. had in my life this year. Um, sometimes it's really a pain. In the, like it, the the days like today where like everything went right, I hit almost every green light. I you know I had to stop for gas and for money for the tolls. And and you know to get there and back, everything went quick. And I got I got to Toronto. I left at seven and got there by eight forty-five, which is the normal time without traffic. But we're talking about morning rush morning rush hour. And I somehow by some miracle got there at eight forty-five. But you know tomorrow I'll do the same thing, and I won't get there till three p.m. It's that it's that hit and miss that it, it takes that long sometimes. It's really bizarre. Yeah, that that's crazy. That's a crazy drive. The train, yeah. you're taking the train a lot too, right? That's that's. Well, the the, the train is great, and apparently they're going to expand this the Go Train because um, it goes east from Toronto. It goes south from Toronto. Mm-hmm. They're going to expand it all the way, to, supposedly to Niagara Falls, which will be great. But they'll probably do that about when I'm 60. So it's yeah, like you it's know, take a while to do that. Yeah, yeah. you got a better yeah. chance of using Elon Musk tube thing than you do of getting on the go train right now. <laughs> hey, Kevin, we're li- we're live. Just to let you know. Thank you. So don't you start your normal cursing tirade that you. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. Yeah. Kevin comes on. He's like, come in. Blasting. <laughs> I'm, uh, I am live here from Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania, which is the Welcome to PA. Uh, the uh, Penguins practice facility. I'm actually staying out here tonight. So nice. I went to Penguins practice. Uh, I know you guys did the Eastern Conference, but no. well, no, we didn't even do. We didn't do the series. I want to do it with you. I think we should do it with you while we were, or we should do the Penguins series tonight for sure. Because while we have you, absolutely. well, we absolutely. can talk about like the what happened in the East. I mean, we were we're going to contra- con- con- uh, concentrate on the West because we didn't talk about them yesterday, but you know, we have only have you for a day. So we definitely want to talk about, definitely what- want to I want to get into Cause are you covering this whole series? I am not actually, I'm going to bounce around a little bit too. I'm sorry. I missed the pregame show. Cause I would have talked about, I had never been to the noodles company before. We're still in, we're still in pre-show. Go ahead. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, it's just such a bizarre place. Is, have, have any of you gentlemen oh, yeah. been to the noodles company? Absolutely. Um, I, no, I, I've, I've been to one in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on a soccer tournament weekend. I think that's the closest one to me, but yep. Tell it. It's really pretty. What's, I, what's I, so bizarre about it is, is I walked in thinking, well, I, I'll have a lot of Asian noodle choices, right. but it's noodles of, of all denomination and faith. Yes. Huh? <laughs> like it's Spetzel and it's like the, the, yeah, the, you could get butter noodles. You can get Italian. You can get, uh, you know, Chinese style, Thai style, like it's just noodles. Okay, I'm I'm going there when 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 we're all there for the Stanley Cup final, Kevin. We're going to the yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's I I'm, I was 
pleasantly uh, surprised. I would say I was even shocked by the uh, yeah. by the New Rule House. So New anyway. Rule House America. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, <laughs> it's very, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. No, the, the, there there have been a couple ramen noodle places that have opened up in the, over the last year or so in the Buffalo area. Yeah, and I always associate ramen noodles with what poverty. We, <laughs> with, 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 no, with what we ate in college, the, you know, yeah. the 99 cent, and, and and those aren't pleasant memories. Those were like, yeah. you know, like salty you know, chicken broth with, with, with bad noodles. Yeah. And I go to this place and it's completely different, but it's still, it's, it's, it's the it's still cycle. A ramen noodle. Yeah, it's still a ramen noodle. So like, I, I didn't like it. So now after Kevin says this. Leaving aside the, the the taste of ramen noodles, you know, in my <laughs> generation it was Kraft macaroni and cheese for eighteen cents a box. I still but, like that. But Kraft but macaroni dinner in Canada. Those, those times though were the best of times. Like when you had six dollars to your name, <laughs> really and, aren't, and you had to make it last nine days. You know, so, and that included buying beer. You know, yeah, like, yeah. that was the best time. I, I totally agree with you. I, I look back at my university days of poverty with such a wonderful level of romance. I almost <laughs> need to write a Harlequin novel about it. It's like the things we could come up with creatively were ingenious well, and it, it was fabulous. Like, I, 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 I remember was the, oh, I was the day that someone told me, well, you could actually take like a dollar store can of tuna and throw it in with your craft dinner. Like <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, "Oh my god, protein with my carbs!" This well, is no, heaven. I, I, I'll tell you, because Kevin said talked about. I, I was always, I was always the guy who went out and got the beer because I'm not a big drinker. And uh, in college, everybody was it was it was all economics. It was okay. What can we get the most beer for the least amount of price? And in Buffalo, there was a store that sold generic beer. It just had beer on the can. It was a yellow can with a with black lettering, and it just said beer. And you could get a twenty four pack of this for four ninety nine. Oh yeah. man, beer! Wow, beer! Yeah. I will. I will say this: when you're in college and you're trying to buy beer with a group of human beings, everybody's a communist. <laughs> <laughs> work together. You work together. Buy beer, okay, and and you know you may you may have thirty nine cents, and someone else may have seventy eight cents, and someone else may have a dollar, but everybody throws in, and you share the beer equally. Yeah. You know, you're all communists when you're trying to buy beer in college when you have no money. That is pretty um, amazing. <laughs> you know, that's Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that that just that's just the way uh, you know, kind of it. Uh, it goes back then, but anyway, let's talk some hockey. Let's yeah. go. Let's get I'm fired up. Playoffs are here. This is Peter, it. I know. Follow, follow me, Peter. Okay, we will do that. We don't um, have we don't have Russ here to step out of order. Like yesterday, yeah, April tenth, right? Okay. Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, April tenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Michael Lagello. I'm Peter Tessier. Kevin Allen, USA Today Sports. And I am Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. We are so lucky to have Kevin Allen, who's in on location in Pittsburgh to cover the first game in the Battle of Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, you're going to be the first two games there, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's the plan. We're going to have to see how it sort of plays out. I mean, I think the way we're going to do things is a little bit different than we've done in the past. Uh, you know, kind of check and... Uh, 
uh, determine where the story is and try to get to it. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's uh, uh, kind of a new plan. Usually I go and park myself for a while, but not this well, year. It's interesting because you're really la- a severe lack of like your immediate Midwestern teams there, you know, like some of your, you know, Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis um, yeah. that, that are right there. Obviously, Minnesota's pretty far away, isn't it, from, from where you live? Yeah, it's not drivable for sure. Yeah, I mean, the drivable cities for me, which, you know, and I like to be honest with you, I prefer to drive in the first couple of rounds. Just yeah. uh, And, you know, I need Buffalo and I need Chicago and you know, <laughs> I, now I can get to Columbus. So and I and I may do that. Uh, Columbus is yeah. uh, is definitely an option. But Nashville is a little too far to drive. Uh, you know, I fly to Nashville. Yeah, Toronto is um, not that far, Kevin. No, no, for sure, for sure. Toronto is is an easy drive to be honest with you. But uh, you know, the border crossing can sometimes be uh, hectic, as you know. So yes. <laughs> depending on what uh, the mood of the uh, of the town is that night whether you're going to be <laughs> wow see we look at yeah. it the other way it's like we all we never know what the lineups are going south and w- <laughs> what what weird questions we're going to get asked now um it's it's never say you're an anonymous hockey blogger we've learned that oh don't say don't say anything weird <laughs> it's no. bad news right now yeah I've learned. I've I've learned the uh, not. Uh, yeah. What do you do? I'm, I'm a hockey writer. Okay. Show us your website, hockeybuzz.com. Where's your Where's your name on here? Well, yeah. I'm an anonymous hockey blogger. Okay. Uh, well, come with us, well, sir. Well, one, <laughs> yeah. one, one interesting thing that that uh, uh, Peter and Kevin it, affecting the two series that you're focusing on, Winnipeg, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. I was talking to some reporters yesterday, and in Canada, they're the national game is Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. It's yep. not Winnipeg, Minnesota, yep. which is insane. I mean, I, I realize that, you know, Sidney Crosby, you know, game-winning goal, 2010, he's Canadian, yep. everybody loves him. But Winnipeg has a legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup. Toronto, may, you know, I think they're more of a dark horse this year. I would think that Canadian broadcasting would be focusing on those two teams and wanting those two ga- those two teams alternating every every other night. And they're going to focus on Pittsburgh. I, I, it just baffled me. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a, a controversy up here. And one of the things that came out today was that not only is the Winnipeg Minnesota series not on the "quote unquote" free channel, hmm. um, it's also not even on the free to air. If you were a satellite person, so you can't wow. even pick it up on the airwaves. It's strictly cable, and the logic being Rogers, you know, as we all know, went all in on the NHL. They right. paid a hefty premium for it. They're going to put one of their series that they can make money on and sell advertising on, on a channel that they make money from rather than give it away for free. Hmm. And that's, that's the way they've chosen to do it. Now, should the Jets advance to the next round and it is against Nashville, which is probably going to be, I think that'll change. Right. But opening round that's the decision they made and i mean given the money they're spending you can't blame them and, and i got into a not just a playful tete-a-tete with uh, dan petru yesterday because the news came out that nbc has moved i believe it's tampa new jersey at least a couple games of that series to the golf channel uh, you know I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i was going to ask because you're you're essentially my curmudgeon in residence you're <laughs> <laughs> you're who I go to in these situations. 
because yes. I clearly do not understand why people are upset about that. Is that the <laughs> Golf Channel just the station where you go? Like no, I I I, 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 <laughs> I go to the Golf Channel, I, Kevin. I think it's perception. I think it's what what I think is is and Dan made the point that you know Golf Channel there are more Golf Channels and more uh city you know on more cable networks than NBCSN, so that in a way it'd, it'd be more exposure. But it's just sort of the slippery slope of. The NHL getting moved from NBC to NBCSN for the Kentucky Derby. The the uh, the outdoor game being uh, preempted for Saturday Night Live. It's always it, it always looks like the NHL is being treated as a second class citizen. All right, all right, all right. We, you got to hold it right there because <laughs> you know obviously I have some history in sure. covering this league and I have suffered through Sports Channel America. <laughs> <laughs> coverage and everything else and you know as much as i i love my friends at espn you know when it was on espn you never knew when nhl tonight was going to be on right um, and nbc has treated nhl so well like you know you got nightly show all the time all the playoff games are on yeah um you know they they, they give it like they tr they treat it like it's the nfl um, you know, and, and everything else. And now because they want like to me, the golf people should be upset because, you know, they're right. getting hockey on there and that the, you know, the golf channel has far reach and NBC is just trying to, you know, fulfill their desire to get all the hockey games on. And they're just using one other place. Like who cares whether you got to go as long as it's just a station. Like well, I don't I, you don't play golf at night anyway, correct? Well, I mean, no, wrong? But, but, the, but, the, <laughs> but the argument was they didn't want to pre, they didn't want to preempt the programming on CNBC, and I think it was USA Network. And I've you know I've I've watched USA Network off and on. How many repeats of NCIS can you show? Yeah, yeah if I, I don't I, get my murder, she wrote. I am going to be pissed off. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, to me, this this is just one of those things that people are complaining about just to complain oh, yeah. about. Like, I, I, like there's really, <laughs> that's right. That's why it's in my Bailey. That's why I consulted my curmudgeon in residence. Absolutely. I mean, there are people, I, you might be able to get some college to hire you as, you know, they have writers in residence. You can be the curmudgeon in residence. So say I was a golf fan and I was, you know, um, but not aware of the golf channel, which is very possible because, you know, I, I, I'm 75 I, years old. I'm a fan of golf, and I'm like, I don't know that there's a golf channel on my television. So I'm, you know, since only old people are fans of golf, so I am. Um, I'm, 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 I'm hockey buzz's curmudgeon ombudsman. That's you are. You, are. you, you fulfill that responsibility <laughs> flawlessly. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm now, I'm, I'm a person who likes, you know, likes hockey. Um, I mean, you know, wants to watch the hockey, but doesn't know there's a golf channel. Now I now I might know there's a golf channel. I mean, that that's also another thing that comes into this play. You know, like, I mean, you know, because yeah. you're, you're hockey fans. Like, I could not tell you what the hell, where the hell the golf channel is right now. I'll, but I'll, I'll have to search. I'll, I've never, I'll know I've it never soon, watched, You know, I've never watched the golf channel in my life, so I'll have to search my. Right. I know it's on there somewhere, but I'll have to find it because I I don't know where it is. Yeah, it's right after the. I, I watch it. I watch the golf channel. Okay, so it's right I after the, the golf channel. After the badminton channel and before the baccarat channel, I think somewhere in there. Okay, let's. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's all this sports, sports. <laughs> They're down there. Um, anyway, yes. Um, let's talk about this before we get, we are going to get in the west. But I want to since we have Kevin and he's in Pittsburgh, I, would, I do think we should take this time to do to talk a little bit about the Penguins Flyer series because it is a fascinating series. It is. Um, it is. It is. You know. I, although I do still believe that New Jersey and Columbus ran from Pittsburgh, 
um, <laughs> on the final day of the season. I think we have we have do we do have a um, we do have a, a a classic rivalry. And the funny thing about the Flyers and uh, the sense I get from Flyers fans, Kevin, is that they actually are happy about this series because the team the, this team that this has been so up and down. No one knows if they're good or bad. You might as well play the Penguins. That's like the feeling that I'm getting around here. <laughs> like, like you made the playoffs. You're not going for a long run. Might as well play the Penguins because, you know, the last time was so much fun. I mean, that series was crazy. Yeah, and I think there's a sense around the country that the this Penguins team is vulnerable. I mean, yeah. they're the only team. This was my story today. Like I wrote, you know, basically, uh, like the odds makers in, in Vegas have them as only the fifth best team to win the Cup, um, even though they won the last two Cups. Wow. I think, you know, as I said, people view them as being vulnerable, mostly because, you know, if you look at their statistics this year, they're the only team in the playoffs who's given up an average of three or more goals per game. Yeah. Well, you know, that's pretty remarkable. But, you know, they're a team that can can sort of make up for the defensive deficiencies because they got Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were, they're 20th this year in goals against the average. Well, they were 17th last year, so and they still won the Cup. So. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a little bit overblown. Yeah. Um, I think what's a bigger issue is um, when you look at all the people that are missing, it's to me not so much what they represented on the ice, even though it was significant, but, you know, guys like Kunitz and Hainsey mm -hmm. and particularly Mark uh, Andre Fleury, who uh, was very, very important to the team chemistry in the room, those guys are all gone. So to me, you know, as the pressure mounts, um, you know, they miss all those guys. You know, Cullen was good in the room as well yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, you know, maybe they won't because they got Crosby and Malkin and Latang and all the rest. But, you know, that's an issue. But I I, I think everybody's kind of uh, um, underappreciating uh, the danger level still of this Penguins team. Like, it's still a very good team. Yeah. So, if I had money, I'm bet I'm making that bet because I mean, I haven't watched them in two playoffs before. I, I don't see any reason why they they can't go just as far this year. I, I and I think I think this year is actually somewhat easier, in, at least in the Eastern Conference, to get there. And I I you know I, I feel that way at least. I mean, well, the, the the one thing I was concerned with with the Penguins lo looking at their you know the their situation. I mean, we <laughs> and we talked about it before, Kevin, when you were on the show, the fact that you know one half of the defense from last year daily. Cole and, and Hainsey are gone, and I think they've taken a little bit of a step back on the blue line, but they went out and they made that really great deal to get Broussard, and Broussard is hurt to start the playoffs, and I don't know if he, if you, if you yeah, thought he yeah, stayed. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's getting ready. He's practicing. Okay, so he's he's not far away, but he he may not start the series, and I think they need that guy because we saw in the last couple of years that that <laughs> offense generated by that third line with Benino with Kessel playing on that third line, it provides a matchup problem for all these teams Absolutely. that they play. I, I'm Absolutely. actually, a, I, I actually think Riley Sheehan could step in there. Yeah. Um, he's reasonably skilled for a guy that uh, is a third and fourth line contributor and he's got size and he can skate and his hands around the net are actually quite good, but um, that's not the plan. Obviously they need Broussard and, you know, Brizard obviously played very well for the Rangers in the playoffs a couple of a few yeah. seasons ago. Right, and, and he played pretty well for, for Ottawa last year, too. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting series. I, I've been very impressed by the Flyers this season. Um, you know, I, I was one of the many that thought that they were going to be near the bottom. I, I loved their young defense. I just didn't think it was going to be ready. And, boy, yeah. 
Sure has been. You know, Provorov, he's one of those guys that I think everybody should circle his name and watch him in this series. Oh. Because, you know, he, had, to watch. he didn't get enough credit for the season he had this year. No, he didn't, um, and it's really interesting because I'm I, I judged about it with Russ and, and, and the Flyers. You know, you know, press talking to people about the fact that Provorov almost feels like he's not being coached. Like they, they've, I've never seen a young player that they've given just absolute freedom to do whatever he wants to. Like normally, when you see a young defenseman like that, you know, they'll be like holding him back or saying or saying, you know, take take all the chances you want or or something. You know, with him, he's so mature that they just they're they they treat him like he's a 32 year old. You know, not and and they they really just let him go. And he and because of that he does he does get caught once in a while, but he also scored two incredibly huge goals for the Flyers last week, um, from within the crease of the other team's goalie. You know, as a defenseman. Um, but, you know, and, and part of crazy. that with young players is when they have that kind of skill that Provorov has, you can take the approach to let them go and do their thing and give them guidance rather than that hands-on coaching that is mm -hmm. another approach, right? And say, I'd rather correct you when you make the mistakes so you're aware of what's going wrong as opposed to trying to prevent you from making mistakes. It's a different approach. Yeah. And there's some upside to it. And I think, I think the other thing is, is, and, and Kevin, you would have an understanding of this, is and Russ would too if he was here, is the top-end guys that are coming into the NHL now, like these top-end, top 10 draft picks that we see year after year are so well-prepared. They're so knowledgeable. They're, they're, they're night and day from what we saw 10, 15 years ago even. Just their conditioning, their ability to play at a higher level and what they understand of the game. And I think it takes a different sort of mentality of coaching them and you're seeing that with a player like Provorov. Like, you don't need to teach him how to play the game. You need to help him learn the nuances of the pro game. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, they come into the game now, and a lot of them have nutritionists that yeah. they hired to work with them. And we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. You know, during the NHL media tour, I was stunned at how many players told us that uh, – you know, uh, you know one one guy in particular, Charlie Cohn, brought up that he has all of his mail, his meals prepared, and they're shipped to him. So you know, he gets nutrition throughout the season that's perfectly, um, you know, cooked to his specifications. And um, I mean, we've gone such a long way now in terms of uh, uh, the way we prepare the players, and they all have you know skills coaches and skating coaches and. Like they're they're ready to go, and most of them have lived in the weight room in the off season um, as well. So that used to be the biggest thing, you know. In the 1980s, guys used to step in, um, and uh, you know, guys like Howard Chuck and Iserman and be instant offensive stars. Well, it's because strength wasn't a big part of the game back then. Yeah, right. And then uh, you know the veteran players got in the weight room, and then they could the younger players couldn't handle that. And then we didn't see that anymore. Plus, there's a lot more hooking and holding, and they didn't have the strength to fight through it. Then we sort of altered the game a little bit, and then players, younger players, were able to sort of compete. And now they're just as strong as the veterans because they because yeah. they prepared themselves. So, well, I mean, phys physically is one thing, but in 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 covering the Leafs the last couple of years and being in Buffalo, and and being uh, aware of what's going on with the Sabers. I have to say that the young guys, you know, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, that, you know, the, the center of the hockey universe, the pressure, the media, 
it really hasn't phased them. They've they've been able to handle it extremely well. And Jack Eichel last year had a little bit of difficulty, but if you see like the comments that he made at the end of the season this year, he you know he's it took him a year to maybe grow up a little bit. He's phenomenal now. He seems ready. You know, Mike Harrington wrote a piece in the Buffalo News today saying that Eichel is ready to be captain of this team. These young players they come in at 18 years old. And they really don't need much preparation. They've they've learned what to do and how to handle things, and that's that's great. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know why, but you're you're so you're so right. I mean, and um and in the, you really have seen it, like you said, nowhere more so than the Flyers' young defense. You know, like um, Gatsasvier third in scoring among defensemen this year. Provorov has plays his time on ice is is equivalent to um PK Subban. You know, it's like you look at these guys; these are really young players, but they're you know, completely, they they pushed it up, and um, you know, and they're and they're not even playing one of their better young defensemen right now. Um, and I don't know if he's going to play in the series or not. In Robert Hag, because he's been really, he was really good this year, but suddenly, kind of fell out of favor. Um, he's their best, he's their best hitter, probably the best, the best checking, best. He's he's up there in, in hits. He was up there until he got scratched, but he was le- one of the leading hitters in the NHL. So, you know, they uh, that's the biggest source of contention in Philly is why are we. You know, why is he getting all the, he's not getting ice time where, you know, where a guy like uh, Andy McDonald is getting all this ice time. So there's a lot of different, different, I mean, that's to me, this, the, the problem with this series, and then we will move to the West, but is, is going to be the in, in goal for the Flyers, which is, it sounds like a broken record, but is the reality is that Brian Elliott had like a 5.23 goals against average against the Penguins this year. Um, you know, he does. It, it, this is going to be an issue, you know. And and then I looked and saw, saw Marazic hasn't really played the Penguins very well in his career, um, you know. And he he fell into his you know old habits here in Philly too. And Neuverth has played them better than us, but he's no one even knows if he's really when he's going to be able to play. So yeah, I, that injury I, it looked really really bad. I mean, it yeah. looks deceiving, but I'd be surprised if he didn't tear his groin on that play. But this is the same thing I said in 2010 when we were going into the playoffs too with the Flyers, you know. And remember what? Remember that was that was Leighton and Boucher, and no one knew how they beat the Rangers in a shootout to get into the playoffs with with Boucher. But suddenly they were in the in the Stanley Cup Finals. So I don't know this. The the, the difference I think between the 2000 and was it 2006 series when these teams played, which was or 2009 2009, yeah. 40. When, you're talking about the 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 wild the, the yeah, the great, yeah there's one oh, the, no it was 20, 2012 or 2013 twenty twelve yeah. Okay, yeah that was I mean that was it was one of the my favorite series of all time right to oh, sure. it was just unbelievable back and forth um, I really get the sense that the Penguins are more um, are, are are a little bit more mature and I think the Flyers got to their maturity at that point they 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 managed to get it and this the the thing is Flyers team is really not nearly as rough of a Flyers team as that Flyers team was. This is this this Flyers team is I mean they they're one of the least penalized teams in the NHL. They don't really have I mean they've got Gudis but beyond him, you know, they really don't have any goons. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. L- l- let me let me let me ask Kevin just to, to to talk to start talking about the West here. Um, Kevin, it's my uh belief that Vegas got the absolute worst first round matchup they could have gotten by getting the LA Kings. I mean, maybe Anaheim would have been worse, but I think, I think personally, this is the end of the Cinderella story. Maybe, maybe they can win a couple games. I, I, to me, I think LA is poised to destroy them. Well, destroy is kind of a hard. Yeah, that's just my my. Yeah, but the uh, 
it's I've looked at some of the projections and of our four person uh, projection group, I was the only one to take Vegas and I took them because um, you know, it, it's almost as if everyone just says, well, you know, they haven't been there before. Um, so they can't possibly win. And the, the championship aura that, uh, uh, you know, the Kopitar led veterans that the Kings have is will be too much. And on paper that looks right. But, you know, the one thing I'd say about these, uh, Vegas, this Vegas team is, is that they've exceeded expectations almost since inception. So, True. you know, we'll have to see Vegas is a hard place to, to win in. We know that, um, uh, you know, I, I see why everybody's picking. I mean, it really seems like 90% of the people are picking, picking the game. So, yeah. um, but I see why everybody's doing it, but I still have some belief in that team. Um, and, and Mark Andre Fleury, yeah. you know, I mean, he, yeah. but he but, the random you know, element. That's the other thing too. You know, you were saying it's the wrong team too, because they also have quick, you know, who yeah. to me is uh, just a, a perfect playoff goal. It has the right temperament for it. And, yeah. like, like he can match Fleury for sure. The the thing about about um, Vegas right now is, LA knows sort of the, the the players within LA understand the adjustments of what it takes as a team when you hit the playoffs, and they've been one of those teams when they have won Stanley Cups where they almost sort of flipped a switch, and it came playoff time and they went into a different sort of style of play. The Vegas, the Golden Knights, they've sort of been they've been, I mean. Let's use it. Let's use an analogy here. They've been playing with house money all season long. And eventually, you know, it's the house always wins. And I think it's going to catch up with them, not because they can't win or they shouldn't or just the law of averages. But I think the Lance had them so well tuned that now he's got to retune them and he's got to retune them against an opposition that knows how to do this way too well. Right. And, and that's where the challenge is. And, you know, maybe they maybe they steal a win here and there and, and make it a different one, but I, I just don't think they're going to be able to do the level of adjustments on top of what they've already done and play at the pace and level any more than they have. And, and it's just it just it just seems that LA's got that finite point within them that they can change it for Vegas, and that's I mean, just I, how I see it. I get Vegas all the credit in the world because I know I don't. Well, I mean, no, nobody saw it coming, but I I was thinking they were going to finish dead last. I mean, I I didn't think this was gonna was gonna end up anywhere close to to this. But you know w- what you're saying, Peter, and what I what I sort of believe is I don't know if this team has another gear. They've been playing. Yeah, that's this, a great way of saying they, it. Mike. They've been playing this way all year, and it's it's amazing. But now you really have to step it up to a higher level, and they've been at this certain level. For 82 games, and I just don't know whether that team has the next level. I mean, Flurry standing on his head is possible. I'm they, going to they agree. Have, they don't have a Dowdy and they don't have a Kopitar, so there's no there's well, yeah. a matchup problem there. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think I know why, Kevin, you went with them, and I think it's the same reason that I'm going to go with them too. I'm um, with Vegas, um, and it, it's you know, in, in in my pick, and there is. I mean, I've been saying that that other level thing all year, but that you got to you got to put yourself into into the underdog mentality. And if Vegas had drawn Colorado in the first in the first round, um, it would have oh, yeah. or, or St. Louis, it, Vegas would have been the favorites in the series, and that that wouldn't have played as well, I think, to 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 this to a young group of players. Like it, it's one thing it's one thing to choke under pressure; mm-hmm. it's another thing to have everybody rooting against you, which Vegas is used to. And this is this mm-hmm. to, to me, this is almost the perfect situation for them because 
they are looking at a team that, you know, no one, no one's going to hold it against them if they lose to the Kings mm -hmm. in this series. You know, no one's going to say that they're a disappointment. Obviously, no one can. They're the best expansion team in the history of sports. But no one's going to no one's going to expect them to beat the Kings. I think that's the best situation they can possibly be in. Um, and the Kings are not the Kings that used to just turn it on in the playoffs. Like this is not that same Kings team that went that won Stanley Cups. I don't I don't think they are. I mean, they've got it's, some players well, like they've got some players from them, but it's not the same. I mean, they they don't have the depth that those teams had. Well, it's 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 different depth. Back. I mean, they I mean, Muzzin's hurt right now, so and I don't know what what his status is to start the playoffs. And that's huge. But it, it is, but but they have you know they have that younger generation, the Kempes, the I follows. They have you know some younger players coming up, and they Carter is back, and Kopitar is. I mean, Kopitar last year had a horrible year, and this year, you know, he's probably in the in the race for the Selkie. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the race for the Hart. So I mean, I I, I think they're they're a different team that the uh, than the one that won cups a few years ago. But I think they're I think there's that that it that playoff success thing still there with that team. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's in, like when I think of that playoff team, I think of Justin Williams, you know, and I think of, right. I mean, I, I don't, so I'm not so sure. Gabrick, and they, they were, right. you know, they were much deeper. Yeah, but it's still the heart of that team was it, it, it's Kopitar and quick and um, Dowdy and uh, Brown and Brown's yeah. had an unbelievable year, of course, but yeah, Jeff, Jeff Carter, Alec Martinez, you know, there's enough of those guys. They, they still have a championship aura and they have a bunch of guys that know, know how to win. I, you know, that the, the Vegas is kind of going out of the way to paint themselves as underdogs, but I don't actually believe they believe. Right. And I I think right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, that is true with everybody right now. Right. Like everybody is loving the, that. This is the time of year when every press conference is how you're going to lose, you know, how we're, we're all, yeah, they're, they're yeah. such a great team on the other side, but, but Mike, I think Mike, that, Mike, Mike Babcock said the Leafs were the underdog. The Leafs had 105 points and because Boston had 112, they're the underdog. I mean, I, 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 I get the, the Bruins game in every game they played them. So, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand how the Leafs are the underdog against the Bruins. Well, I, I know. Um, no, <laughs> I, mean, I just don't get it. But I mean, this to me, this, this is a series that was even, you know, right. um, they played each other even, but you know, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about St. Louis, um, like a team that's out of it because we are going to get to this more in the future. Um, as far as like picking the actual things, but, um, like, I don't, where the, where the blues go from here, I think is a really, is the, is one of the more interesting ones for this off season. Maybe they signed Tavares. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> they've got the room now. Well, you you knew where the where Doug Armstrong thought this team was at the deadline when he trades Stasny for a first and a fourth round pick and a and a prospect. So, I mean, the fact that they sort of rebounded in a way and got to Game eighty two with a chance to make the playoffs, I, I I would say was positive. But the thing is, they they lost. Gunnarsson. They lost Bo Meester. Yeah. Tarasenko got hurt in game 82. So everything sort of fell apart. What I, what I think is the question, Kevin, is their goaltending has been a problem for that organization. You know, they traded for Ryan Miller. They traded away Ben Bishop. Elliot is not a solution. Jake Allen now is, I think, in the, in the category of being uh, a failure there. So, Armstrong's really got to address the goaltending, but also I think he's got to address a couple other issues. So they're they're sort of a team in flux right now. Well, for sure, and more issues than he thought. Like uh, I think that you know that it wasn't too long ago, months ago, that we thought the Blues had one of the best defensive groups in the league, and you know through you know poor goaltending and they, they just didn't measure up. When you look at where that team was at, and it really started this when Schwartz went down. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when he went down, it's almost like they couldn't recover. And that's always a bad sign when you can't overcome, uh, you know, a single injury. Um, now, they had other injuries, but that was obviously, you know, the big one for the Blues. But, boy, that's a, a leaky boat right now. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you're looking at it, you're thinking, too, well, you know, we played so well at the beginning. What if we were healthy again? Yeah. That's dangerous when you start thinking like that. Well, and that's, this, the, that's the gamble, right, for Armstrong, yeah. is is he has to measure out the severity of the injuries and their contributions to the season right. and then decide, okay, can I expect an 80% recovery from those injuries in terms of games played that I've lost this year? How does that affect you know the outcome of the season? It seems to me, though, that if you know, and injuries happen, you can't plan on them and you always have to plan against them. Um, that the blues, if they, if, if Armstrong gambles that way and doesn't start invoking a gradual change, he's going to end up in the nether regions where you can't get over the hump and you're never bad enough to, to get some luck and get, and, and end up with the top five pick. Yeah. Right. You, 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 you sort of have to, the NHL seems to me that when you get into these positions, the organization has to make a harsher determination to go back to rebuild sooner and faster with a more direct purpose than ever before. Um, because you can, you can get lost in space really easy if you don't do it the right way. And they have, I mean, they have a very, very good young crop of prospects with Cairo, with Thomas, yeah. with Jake Wallman, with Clem Cost. And so yeah. it might there where they may go is they may go young and maybe move some bodies out, move a Patrick Berglund out. They already yeah. moved Stas. Yeah, they may go that direction. But where I think you know all things point in terms of that team is goaltending. It's it, they're they're the Philadelphia of the West act. I think they're you know they Philadelphia is yeah, always don't put been, that on them. That sounds horrible. <laughs> But, but, I mean, Philadelphia's had that, you know, no, I Carter, don't, Carter uh, Hart no, may be the solution for them. He's two years away. She used to be the Flyers of the West. Now the Blues are. Yeah, um, yeah that, there you go. Yeah, no, I, no I'm with you. I, I, and this, the, the weird thing, I, I talked to somebody about the, when the Stassi trade went down, and I said, wow, there, I was, I was, and I talked to somebody at the NHL, and I said, you know, that's really kind of a strange move, I thought, because they're not out of the playoff run here. I mean, they were very much in it still when they moved Stassi, and, he probably well. They traded Chattenkirk last year when everyone thought they had a really legitimate shot. Like they actually, you know, this is a matter of of you know Armstrong hating to lose players for nothing and going to the players and saying you're going to sign here, I guess, and them saying they're not, and I guess they move out. That's what it feels like. Now they got two first round picks, and it doesn't mean that they're going to draft with with two first round picks. They could use one of those firsts, yeah, no, they and trade it for somebody. I mean, they a could. team like Calgary is looking for a first round pick, and they've got a boatload of defensemen. So you never know that the deal could happen like that. Yeah. Now, the Maple Leafs made it okay to rebuild, right? To announce rebuilding. Although now we know that the Rangers' rebuilding efforts lasted sixty days. <laughs> yes, because now it looks like they're going. Um, you know, yeah. or in typical Ranger fashion, after the two hottest, you know, free agents. Well, that's the that's the point of irritation in Buffalo right now, Kevin, because the Leafs turn it around in probably eighteen months, and the Sabers started their rebuild before the Leafs did, and they're still in it. 
And that's the that's the 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 point of frustration in Buffalo is that they can't get out of the rebuild, and it's because of the moves that Tim Murray made, and because of bad luck with injuries that you know luck has something to do with it. So, so much well, yeah, well, yeah, and it's they did they didn't get Connor McDavid, they got right. Jack Eichel. There's nothing wrong with Jack Eichel, but no, nothing at no, all. But, you know, and and the Leafs got you know. Austin Matthews. I mean, the, the, this is like this is how it plays out. I mean, there's so much luck, and that's way. If I'm a team, like I'm not going to rebuild based on Toronto's methods because you got to get so lucky on that. On top well, of that, it, to do that as well, it was luck, and it was also design act. They were able. It was all design, but they had they. It was design that depended on luck. I mean, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I'm talking about they got rid of. Phil Kessel, and they got value for him. They got rid of a $7 million contract in Dion Phaneuf, which two years later has already been traded once again. They were able to get rid of big money contracts, and that helped them in terms of being able to add the right players in free agency like Patrick Marlowe this year. And get worse. Buffalo, so Buffalo in the midst of the rebuild, added Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian, who's taking permanent residence on the on the injured reserve. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. It, it was more design. It was just as much design uh, as it was luck. Underappreciated uh, moves in Toronto's rebuild were the decisions to keep Van Riesburg and Van yeah. Riesdyke and Andre. Yeah. yeah, like that. That was all part of it. I mean, that's that's yeah. why Lou Lamarillo and Babcock know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, they made the decision to see what Cadre could do and um, where some, you know, GMs in a rebuild might have moved him out. Right. You know, he, 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 you know, he's not, he wasn't fun to deal with in the early years. Now, let me go back to the West here, Kevin, because, you know, the team that I picked in the, in the preseason was Anaheim, and that was it looked like a sort of a skittish pick. But at the end of the year, they're basically where they were last year. Kessler's back after being injured. You know, but Fowler's out. I don't know for how long. They say he might be out for the first round and maybe back for the second. They're they they may be starting Ryan Miller because the health of Gibson is in question. And last year it was Jonathan Bernier as the goalie instead of Gibson. And I think instead of uh, Miller and Mill, I think Miller's an upgrade. But what do you think about Anaheim? Because I, I still think that there's a pathway for them. Oh, for sure. I mean, they, you know, they weren't that far removed from getting in the Stanley Cup final last year. And, you know, it all comes down to Getzlaff and Kessler down the middle. Like, uh, you know, uh, who can compete with that? Those are big, ornery guys who um, are hard to move, and their defense is mobile. And they can, their transition game is strong. They can, um, you know, move the puck. And they've, uh, you know, Henrique was a good addition. Um, you know, more goals. uh Secondary scoring, you know, there, there's a lot going on in, in Anaheim. This is a team that's built to be successful. And, you know, they're a much better playoff team than they are a regular season team, although, you know, Gibson can't stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, that's been an issue. Now, you know, that's always just kind of bad luck. But, yeah, they're they're quite capable of making an extended run. Like, they're they're a team you don't want to play. Um, yeah. You know, post, uh, you hope someone else I, knocks them off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, th th I think you know when things click for Anaheim, they're not some, they're not a team you want to play against. Uh, you, you'd prefer to avoid them if they're firing on all cylinders. But that being said, you know they do. They're not complete, and and when I say complete, I mean th there are holes in their roster. Their depth down the on their bottom six is not fantastic. Right. Um, their defense is good. It's it's a good defense. No you know, no outstanding sort of superstar caliber, you know, but, but they, it's good. But they're missing, they're, they're going to miss Fowler. 
they're going to miss Fowler. I, I think where where they can get beat is that if you put them into a track meet, they're a little older, and you know Kessler Kessler's you know he's a fast guy and he can move up and down the ice. But you start getting Getzlaff and Perry to go in a track meet, they're going to get gassed because the other thing is is Carlisle will lean on them. Yeah, you want to put a track meet on and and you get them and you get ahead you're going to you're going to gas them a bit. They're still not they're big strong guys, but they're not the fastest guys and and when the minutes pile up yeah, you but, can see a little advantage there for the opposition. But, but Peter you last, get to that point though. But, yeah. but Peter last year at certain points the guys who were the leaders were not Kessler and Getzloff. It was Silverberg, yeah, Silverberg. it was it was Raquel, it was Kasha, yeah. uh, Richie you know they've added Henrique, so I mean I, I grant you if they get into a long series and it's against a team with a lot of speed, you know that those guys you know may be gassed a little bit, but they do have depth uh, in the second and third lines, and you know I, their defense is really good. I think they they definitely need Fowler if they're going to make a deep run, but I still think that there's a lot there. And Miller, I mean Miller played great with Vancouver last year, and he's played pretty well as the backup. So unless he gets hurt, they're in okay shape. Yeah, and Miller's been good this year too. Like, yeah, very good. Yeah. I mean, and 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 the other thing I, I want to talk a little bit about with Kevin is the Predators situation because it's funny today. I heard on the radio on on um, on XM. I was listening to XM, and they said that the Predators, you know, last year took everyone by surprise. This year, they won't take anyone by surprise. Everyone's gearing for them. They're the top team, and all this, and um, and that's going to affect them in a you know in what people are thinking is going to be a negative way that they're going to have a tough time with that. Um, and I don't get that kind of sense from this Predators team. Yeah. No, uh, you know, there, and there's so much there, you know, this is not even the remotely the same Predators team, like the defense right. improved, uh, you know, Ekholm has taken a step up in his game, you know, Ellis is a little bit better, plus they have all the benefits of having made an extended run last season, they know what is required of them in order to be successful, you know, Peck and Rennie, that to me, the, the biggest thing for the the Predators is that Rennie is playing as well as he did last season, maybe even a little better. Better, better going into the playoffs. I mean, he wasn't that great going into the playoffs. No. Yeah. But then he played great against Chicago. It was great in the playoffs, but going into the playoffs? Yeah, so he's he's been, uh, you know, tremendous, and they've got more depth on their offense, and, they, you know, they've just got a lot going on. The Hartman deal at the end, like, yeah. I made this comment to another general manager that when you talk to David Poyle, uh, this season, I have felt kind of a peace and calmness with him that you don't usually get. Uh, like, you know, he's just always, uh, you know, uh, nervous about his team and everything. And I think it's because he knows he has done all he can. And he's put together a team that is capable of winning. Yeah. Now it's just up to them. You know, can they get it done? And, and some of it isn't up to them as well, because, you know, we always want to discount the performances of the other teams. And, yeah. You know, the Winnipeg Jets are a very good team. There's some teams in the West that could beat them as well. Uh, so, um, you know, I I think they're the team to beat. I took them to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's very, to me, reminiscent of when the, you know, the Red Wings and Penguins, uh, you know, dueled and the, the uh, Red Wings won the cup and then the Penguins went to school and the following year they came back and, and won it. I see that with the Predators this year. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, Go ahead, Peter. I was just going to say the Predators have, you know, this year, they haven't been a secret to anyone. They've been playing at the top. They've been taking all comers and they're used to being the top dog. And that's part of the evolution of a team getting better is when you're at the top, 
you've got to deal with all the other people trying to knock you off. Yeah. And they've done a really good job of it. Yeah. And that now it's now it's on steroids because the stakes are that much higher and you have to you you have the the series that changes the dynamic too. And they're they're I mean they're built for this exact season now, the second season. This is what Poyle's yeah. done. He's made them into this. Um, now they just have to sort of execute. It's it's on Laviolette, the coaches and the players to say, this is our time. Everyone else has done what they had can to get us here. We've got to do the next part. Well, I've never I've never seen a team, and David Poyle should get credit for this. I've never seen a team, you know, emulate the teams that they have battled over the last few years and take it as, you know, and and apply it to their own team. I mean, LA has got Kopitar and Carter. Anaheim has got 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 Getzloff and and Kessler. They lose to the Penguins, who one, two, three were Crosby, Malkin, and Benino. They signed Benino. They trade for Turris, and now up the middle you have Johansson, Turris, Benino, and Mike Fisher as your fourth line center. I mean, last year you know Colton Sissons was their number one center. They pair this strength up the middle with a with arguably the best defense in the league and a guy who could win the Vesna. I mean, yeah. The reason that yeah you know, they're they're the they're the the presumptive favorite because they're the best team. Yeah, yeah, they're no they're they're first in goaltending in terms of you know Vezina Trophy will go to Rene. Yeah. They're first in in defense. Nobody has to can match their personnel, uh, and they're seventh in in the league in scoring. That's the crazy thing. I yeah, mean, so yeah. that's it. That. You no, know, those numbers are it's to me reminiscent of when the Blackhawks were in there run you'd look at their numbers at the end of the year and they'd be you know second or third in defense and you know second and third in in scoring it's uh, very chip on their shoulder too like that's the thing about like when it, when you when one when you get a team like i don't know like the rangers or some or or you know or the canadians who are who are dominating they 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 do think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread but the predators i get the sense of talking to them that they still have a chip on their shoulder they, they still they're still they're still a nashville team they i mean i think that they're accepted but i still i now you know they 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 earned that acceptance last year but i don't think that they are completely you know that I, they they still expect people to say things bad about them you know yeah. well i let, let's just say i, I don't think they're going to get caught sleeping uh, and Colorado is going to sneak up on them. I, and, and I could be off base on this. I think Colorado won their Stanley Cup already, and that was getting in the playoffs after finishing with the worst record or one of the worst records in history. Them getting to the postseason is an, a, a remarkable accomplishment for that organization. But you know they have Jonathan Bernier in goal. They don't have their number one defenseman in Eric Johnson. I don't see how they win a game in this series. Maybe they sneak up on, on Nashville or maybe Rene has a bad, bad game, but I don't see how Nashville, you know, even gets scared by the avalanche. Well, McKinnon is McKinnon, right? So he's, that's, he's great. <laughs> I'm not saying he's, you know, me, he's me, he can, he can, he can definitely steal a game, but if, if, but the fact that they don't, that they don't have the, they don't have their goalie, you know, that's, that's where, that's what really kills Colorado. I mean, you can't, you can't expect to upset a team, you know, with your backup. When you, you know, their their top goalie, you know, Barlamov is a good goalie. He he could steal yeah. a game or two, you know. I mean, and you know, nothing against Bernier or you know, but you know, like we just talked about Bernier and, and won another team last year in the playoffs. So, you know, and it didn't work out so well. So I'm just saying this is how this is how it all plays out, right? So, but Winnipeg, Minnesota is the only series we really haven't touched on, and and mm -hmm. Peter, you know, like. Over the last couple of months, I've followed the Jets more and more simply because we're going to talk about them because you're on the show. But I, I mean, Minnesota, they have Dubnik. 
they don't have Ryan Suter. I think that's a big loss. I mean, you, the, the the Wild have had a successful season, and they have you know that one two punch of Stahl and Koivu up the middle. So they're they're not somebody you can look past. But Winnipeg has just been so overpowering this year that I just I just can't see them lose to Minnesota. Winnipeg's had one three game losing streak all season. So they are going to have to have another streak at some point in this, I think, even if it goes alternate. So they're going to have to lose two in a row at some point. Yeah. And I just don't think it's going to happen against Minnesota. That being said, the games have been fairly close. The last time the teams met was in January and it was a four, one Minnesota win in St. Paul. Um, but the Jets won 7-2 before that. Then they had a 2-1 overtime win, and I can't remember what the other one was, like another 3-1 or something. The Jets have been the better team. They've outscored them. They've had um, better power plays and such. I've written about this twice now. Mm-hmm. It's When you get into the underlying numbers is that you realize Minnesota is doing something that is making them better than what their raw numbers say. And I think they're doing a lot better down low. I think they're getting into scoring position. And I think Dubnik and and their goalie tandems have been really good at preventing those high-danger scoring chances against. Um, They've survived that way in a good way, but they're not riding some outrageous save percentage or a ridiculous shooting percentage as a team. So... You know, something Boudreaux has cooked up with their offense and, and some of their defensive coverage has actually worked really well for them. Um, will that work against Winnipeg over seven games? Yeah, I yeah. don't think so. I, I think I think the Jets the Jets are going to to overwhelm them. Um, Patrick Liney has been quiet. I expect him to heat up pretty quick here. I think, and and the best thing a team can do is try and take Liney away. Because with having a player like Stasny and the other weapons the Jets have down in depth, they that's fine. You want to take Line out of the picture, we'll throw a bunch of other things at you. And that's going to be the challenge for the Wild is how do they manage dealing with Line A and then the depth of the Jets' third and fourth lines that can come at them where Maurice could, in theory, put Matthew Perot back on the fourth line if he wanted to mm-hmm. and yeah. create a, whole, a matchup hell for yeah. Boudreaux. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I, yeah, I... You know for sure. I I just don't think without Suter that the Jets can uh, that the Wild can handle the Jets in any way, shape, or form. You know that like to me the the Jets are the most dangerous offensive team in the in the tournament. Even yeah. more dangerous uh, in many respects than the the Penguins. I just think they have more um, you know weapons. Um, so. I, I I I I know people, including myself, think that the Predators will handle the Jets in the second round. But you know, like if the Jets beat them, I wouldn't be stunned. The thing about the Jets that I found most impressive is wasn't that all long ago that their their defense, um, you know, looked like a patchwork quilt. And now you look at it, and boy, there's some skill on that defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good. Good. Well, I was just going to say. Oh, that's, that's a weird, a weird play. play. Yeah, weird echo, sorry. Okay, so uh, the thing with the Jets' defense is, is right now, and what no one's talking about, is they're missing their big acquisition from the offseason, which is Dmitry cool. Kulikov, yeah. and who elected not to have surgery on his, on his back um, after the last injury. And there is word that if you were to come back, he could be back in the second or maybe third round. Mm-hmm. But um, the Jets' defense, you've got Morrissey Truba, 
you got Bufflin. Enstrom is believed to be skating coming back, although there's some rumor that there is a fracture in his foot, but it's totally unsubstantiated from what we can tell, but there is talk about that. Um, and then exactly. you've got... Yeah, he'll play. Keep him in his boot, freeze it. And then and then you've got Myers and a host of either Poolman, Sherratt, or whatever. Um, as long as the defense doesn't get carried away with itself in terms of Myers and Bufflin being a little rogue on some of their playing, mm-hmm. you know, they can hold down the fort quite well. It's not Nashville's defense. No. It's not as mobile. It's not as complete. But it's good enough to get the job done. But the players have to play within the scope of of the team dynamic and not go too freewheeling and Bufflin and Myers are prone to do that. And, and hollow bucks don't have to play like hollow yeah. has played all year. Uh, yeah. Kevin, are you surprised in Detroit that it was status quo Holland signs for two years and he announces they're going to go with Blashill again? Well, I, I had thought earlier in the season, I, I, I suspected that Holland would be back. You know, the family has a lot of loyalty to the Illich family, even though Mike Illich has passed away, you know, Chris Illich doesn't have a track record. So we didn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. what he was going to do because mostly even though he was running the team it was sort of mike's will you know right. be done and but i i, I suspect that you know because i knew how marion illich uh, felt about ken that he would be back but i thought they might make a change of coaching just as sort of as almost a sacrificial lamb to the fans who are really uh, in an uproar you know they want they want change um and but he didn't and and to be to be honest that's the fair thing to do blashell uh, none of this is his fault. The personnel is simply not good enough, and yeah. he's a quality coach, and he'll, you know, he'll do a good job if he's given the right personnel. And you know, I, I'm not sure next year will be much better because, you know, all the younger players have some flaws to them that I'm not sure can um, be washed away over one off season. So, you know, a lot will depend on how ready Rasmussen is next season, and who they get in the draft and whether they can get one of the guys who can step in and play right away. Because at this point, I think the Red Wings are selling hope and yeah. not the idea that they can make some noise uh, in the playoffs. If, if the Red Wings fan base is in, in infuriated, uh, what, what are the Islanders? Because. Yeah, that's so sad. What happened there? I, I really don't know. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't even have any sense at all of whether Gar Snow is in trouble. I mean, Historically, you'd look at that and you would say, "Well, he should be in trouble." You know, be, right? yeah. uh, you know, you just look at it from what they've accomplished, and uh, boy, that team just went downhill. You know, in a hurry. You look at where the way they started; they were a great offensive team. I, I don't know. When's the last time you saw a team play that sloppily defensively? Oh yeah. It, it, oh. I mean, it, it was amazing how many goals they gave up this year. In uh, in in this uh, you know no scoring era, that was uh, just really phenomenal. So yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And if Tavares goes, you know, boy, where, where's that team at? Like, who's the flag carrier? Who's the guy you turn to? Like, they have some some nice players there. You know, Anders Lee has turned out to be a very nice you know player. Um, so. Um, and you know Bailey has stepped up now and is an offensive player, and they you know they have other players, but it it um, seems it seems that they're they're sort of you know pr- pushing or prodding Barzil into that you know he's going to be yeah. the guy if Tavares leaves, and I think that's a little bit you know he'll win the call he's probably going to win the Calder, but I think that's a little bit of too much pressure on a guy who's what twenty. Well, years I old. mean that's that's what we do in this league, though. You know the younger sure. players have to yeah. You know, in Toronto it was Matthews and in Detroit it's Larkin and yeah. 
that's just the way it goes. And he's certainly capable of that. He's just such an amazing, dynamic player. And I think I think you're absolutely right, Mike. I think that's what they'll do. They'll just anoint him as the guy. Um, but boy, you know, and the timing with the, you know, going and playing games in the old arena and you know the new arena. Oh boy, like this is just. You know. No, and, and yesterday the owner came out and said that he was fine with both um, the coach and the GM. You know so that that really got the Islanders fans. In. Right, but then, but then, but then he said that they were going to evaluate. Like he, it was a half he answer. Both, he talked both ways, obviously. Yeah. But the first, his first response was, "We're fine with them." Um, and then I think when people in the press conference started pushing him and saying, "How the hell could you be fine with them?" <laughs> he started to say, "Well, we're going to reevaluate." But it's, you know, initial response was, "We're fine with them." And if everybody, if everybody in that room had said, "Oh, okay, great, you're fine with them," I think he, I think that's all it would have happened. That, that's the impression I got from watching it again. What Just, we we talked a little bit about this yesterday, and, and the thing I think we also we didn't touch on with the Islanders was, is you've got a PR campaign amongst fans with billboards and stuff. Yeah. You know, all the owner, all the deck he had to do was just throw a little fuel on that by saying, well, we're going to review everyone and no job is safe. There's no sacred cows and just sort of say that. And, you know, you'd have a bigger problem on your hand because the last thing you want to do is take that volatile situation and add a little fuel to it to change expectations. That. Right. But this, you, so they have to say that right now. Like they have, they yeah. have they, these, this fan base is dying. I mean, it, it, and this is a great fan base. This is a really passionate fan base. They have to, they have to throw them a bone. They cannot. And then with Tavares leaving or potentially leaving, they can't sit there and say that they're okay with their general manager and their coach. The only unless Tavares told them, like, and I said yesterday, unless Tavares has said, "I'm only staying if the GM and the coach are staying," and th and that's some conversation that's happened that we don't know about. The only bone that the Islanders fans are are would be satisfied with is is the skull of Garth Snow on a platter. That's no, what they want, no. and that's that's what the whole billboard campaign is about. They they're yeah. tired of you know. I mean. He, he, I don't think he's up there in terms of Mike Milbury for incompetence in terms of being a GM of the Islanders, but it's starting to be a contest. You know, they, they've but got some good shades of Milbury, though, right? I mean, this so you've got a great fan base, you have an amazing history with this franchise, yeah. and now look what's come through in the last 20 years of it. That's yeah, yeah. crazy. I mean, it's, it's absolutely nuts. And it's, it's such a shame because I mean that there's yeah. such an incredible fan base. I went to a playoff game there, one of the few playoff games they've had in the last decade. You know, I went to a playoff game in in on in Nassau Coliseum versus the Sabers when they played them in that series, and that place was was absolutely as hopping as the spectrum would get. You know, like you're talking about, and I I was amazed. I'm like, this is a, this is a fan base that loves their high because I had never seen that. You get in the playoff game, and there they are. This is just right there to me. You know, it's a small building felt like the spectrum and that fan base is, has been totally ignored. I mean, not ignored, but just has not been serviced. I mean, they've tried and and to I mean, give Snow some credit for some of the young players coming in now. But it's been so, but but as far and, you know, and picking up those two defensemen on like, you know, Yom Kippur or whatever it was, that crazy day when he got those yeah. two defensemen. And uh, but since then, I mean, those two defensemen are still their two best defensemen. Well, and just just just. Just to finish up with this, Kev, because yeah. um, we talked about this yesterday, and Russ had had some insight on the whole Rangers situation because, you know, he was at he was in Philadelphia for the Rangers Flyers game on Saturday and said that there was, you know, um, Henrik Lundqvist talked to the team, you know, uh, after the game, and you know there seemed to be like a little bit of a disconnect about what direction they were going, and then a few hours later, Elaine Vigneault was fired. And everybody's assuming now that they're going down the rebuild road. And then we hear the rumor yesterday about Kovalchuk. Um, you know, I don't know where they're going. I, at this point, if they if they sign Kovalchuk, I would think that their the rebuild is 
like you said, is going to be 60 days and that's it. Well, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, and again, I have no idea what Tavares is going to do, but I think this is a very sincere and their effort will be made to get Tavares if he goes yeah. to market. Yeah. And, you know, if you're, if you're John, you know, the Rangers might look like the best option, you know? Right. Oh yeah. You know, he, you got a goaltender that you trust, you know, there's still some players in place that, you know, you'd be comfortable playing with, uh, you know, you can still stay in the New York area where your family is comfortable. Everything's all, yeah. all good. So, you know, if, if you can get Tavares and, and Kovalchuk, then, you know, maybe you don't even, you know, why do you want to go there? You've already picked up some younger players that you can sort yeah. of use into the lineup. So. Yeah, and you have and you have three first round picks. You don't have to give up mm -hmm. any of them to get those two guys. You can maybe. No, that, yeah, I mean, I, I I never buy the Rangers rebuild concept. I never I never I never can buy. I mean, they they never have they never have shown a sign a tendency towards that. But we do have to get Except going. But um, thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much, Kevin. Um, we will be back again tomorrow where we will actually do some predictions for you guys for the games tomorrow night. Um, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.